SMQB's episode 93. We're talking about the World Series winners next year. The Philadelphia Phillies locked it up a short Let's time go. ago. Trey, it's, Trey, Trey. Uh, it can't even be in doubt at this point. They immediately have upgraded their entire roster, so we don't need to play the baseball season next year. Put your bets in. Um, aside from that, how about this NFL Hall of Famer? who in order to get a contract had to hide a chain under his sweatpants when he weighed in because (laughs) the Vikings told him that if he wanted a spot, he had to weigh 250 pounds and he was only 244 pounds. (laughs) So he hit a chain under his sweatpants to get a contract. And then he ended up being a six-time first-team All-Pro, a seven-time Pro Bowler, the NFL. Uh, I have a guess. Leader. I have a guess. John yeah. Randall. John Randall. Right. Yeah, I think Good you're right. Yeah. Good one. Wow. Good guess. He was, he was a really, was a really knowledge. scary yeah. defensive end. What, yeah. when, what were his dates of playing? 1990 to 2000 with the Vikings and 2001 to 2003 with the Seahawks. Yeah, not that and long he, ago. Uh, he went into the Hall of Fame in 2010 with 137 and a half career sacks. Uh, were, were, there runner, were there runners up to 93? Well, Dwight Freeney. Dwight Freeney was, was a pretty good was a pretty good one. Uh, and then Doug Gilmore. Who's that? Doug Gilmore from um, Toronto. Right. Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Maple he Leafs. went from um, when he switched from the Flames to the Maple Leafs, he actually switched from 39 to 93, inverted his numbers. So he wore 93 when he was with Toronto. Um, so those were, you know, those are the, the, the options. I thought Randall was a was a good throwback name. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Good one. So, guys, uh, listen, what's going on in sports? We're, uh, we're all a little bit coming off of uh, the high in the World Cup, huh, House? I mean, that was a success for the U.S. I think it was a really successful outcome to get out of the group stage. Um, it was a shame they were dominating that game early on. I think that game captured exactly where the U.S is they have a good possession game. Yep. They have a lot of energy on their team. They have a strong midfield. They have a poor back line and they're really poor on the US played really poor on set pieces. Awful. Their, their their corners, their free kicks were poor. Um but I think Roosters right in what was said along in our text chain that it's a very very good sign for the future in 4 years when all these young guns are back. Um, I'll tell you, some guys definitely earned some more money on the world stage. <laughs> There's going to be Christian Pulisic is going to be a hot commodity for either Man U or Chelsea or Newcastle United. He is going to make some money, and so are a number of other players. Yeah, Weston uh, Weston McKenney is potentially going to Tottenham. Yeah, so that's good. I think where we are in the World Cup is like exactly what we all want to see. We want to see the fun, good upset stories in the group stage, the fun of teams like Japan and South Korea and Senegal going through and the upsets like Germany and Uruguay and Denmark. Uh, But now the cream is rising to the top. Mm -hmm. You're getting these unbelievable all-star matchups. And if somehow tomorrow, by the time a lot of folks are listening to this, Spain and Portugal both go through. We will have 
like as good as you can get for quarterfinals. We've got Netherlands, Argentina, incredible matchup. Croatia, Brazil, incredible matchup. The war of France versus England on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And then if Spain versus Portugal, that was that incredible 2018 group stage game where Ronaldo had to get his third goal in the 88th minute to send that game to a final 3-3 in one of the best games that's been played in modern history in World Cup. So we have a possible rematch of Spain-Portugal, but this time to go to the semis. So it's so good. I mean, what we were all hoping for, you could see something like Argentina, Brazil, France, or England and Spain or Portugal in the semis. I mean, that would be delicious. Brazil had like four goals in the 43rd minute today. They're a juggernaut. I mean, they they could have scored eight if they wanted to. They they, they could have named their score. I mean, they almost, South Korea, you know, they almost gave them pittance. House, um, do you know how many people live in the United States of America? I think it's somewhere around 350, 360 million. It's yeah, close. Probably close. It's about three hundred thirty-five million. Okay. Do you, do you know how many people live in the Netherlands? Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to go with thirteen million. million. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good guess, guys. Seventeen and a half million. Okay. Why can we not find <laughs> eleven motherfuckers better? <laughs> Then they're eleven. I don't. Or how about just two this. scores? Why just can't we find? Why can't we find our own Van Dyke who's six five and yes. is posing in the yeah. box? I think he's and six don't seven. Tell me we're improving. We've been improving since Tony Miola was our goalie, or whatever that guy's name was back in ninety six yeah. or ninety two. Whatever. Why that can't was. we develop strikers, Toby? What you is may the not problem? know the answer, but what's the answer? <laughs> I think the there's a couple answers. One is I really think it does come down to dollars. I mean, the kind of money that gets poured into these programs. And look, there are academies. There are Barcelona, Liverpool, Chelsea. There are these soccer academies that reaches kids all the way down into the age five, six, seven, eight years old in these countries. These kids are becoming juggernauts at the earliest ages, uh, you know, over in their countries. I don't, I don't think you see something similar in the U S. Um, I think it's not a really coordinated program. They, they try, there's a lot of different programs where you can go into, you know, developmental player programs in the U S but I think that's part of it. And I think some of the game theory and the way they develop, uh, kids overseas, particularly in South America, you know, when my kids played soccer, uh, there's a game that's played indoor called futsal with yeah. a smaller court and a smaller ball. Uh, the, there's no big booming kicks. Everything's on the ground. Everything's quick possession, quick one-timers. Only like very, very few leagues even require their kids to play futsal in the winter. Everybody in South America plays futsal. Everybody in other countries plays those kinds of possession games. So I do think it's coming. I think this is very exciting for our country that we got into the the knockout stage. And I think that plus hosting in 2026, look, we're sending more and more players to play in premier league more than ever before. And other tier one leagues and in other countries, I do think it will improve beyond where we've been. Well, look, I mean, I, I could speak for myself. I think others here too played soccer as a kid, right? Didn't we all play soccer? Sure. Right. And, and, Going through the, the more advanced you got, whether it was you know junior high, senior high, you lost the best athletes because they would go on to play football or baseball or even basketball, right? We don't emphasize our best athletes through soccer like every other country does. And that's one of the huge differences. I mean, think of some of the athletes that we had if they had just been developed for soccer versus the other sports. I think we'd be better, but that's not where our country is. Question is, are we going there? Well, it's a great point. Um, if you're a really good kid playing in the Philadelphia area, there's like 20 different clubs that you could play on a travel team uh, and you know try to get experience and try to get recognized. But that's the funny thing is because we're such a big country with so many people, if you're a really good player in Amsterdam and you're the top, like 
you're going into the Ajax Academy. You're, like there's not that many clubs that you're going to go into. There's just so many choices these days. Um, but but you're right, Pope. We we are not developing our very, very best athletes for this sport yet. It could happen when money, more money gets poured into. If by 2026 we're seeing people like Suarez and Messi play for Inter Miami in the major league soccer, and you start to fill stadiums with players like Messi and Suarez who would dominate, you're going to get more and more money into the sport, more and more interest. I do think we're far behind, but I do think we'll catch up. I think we've reached the top 16 in the world. I think we earned that right to be in the final 16. And now the question is, can we get in the top 10? Yeah, we're not that far off. We really are not that far. You're right. We can, we can win the, win the time of possession game against some really good teams right now. We just, we just need to defend better and shoot better. It didn't, we're not getting good shots on goal. When we got into the, into the box or near the box, it just looked like we were two steps lower than all the defenders or like there was nobody who could create a shot around the box. That's, or that's like what it looked like Kulichik to me. Was, was shadowed, so he couldn't even get free. Yeah. That's well, the problem. He, we don't have any other players like that. Although, as great as his uh, finish was in the match against Iran, he had a chance to finish early on uh, in that play that we all thought might have been offsides, but he was onsides. It was a little bit of a hop on the ball, but he could have finished that. Uh, I don't know that it would have made a difference, but taking an early one nothing lead would have changed that game a little yep. bit. Yep. Would have made him think. Yep. All right. Well, so when does the next, next game start? Yeah, so I was it's say, Monday. It's Monday evening as we're recording this. What do we got coming up this week that people should be looking? So for? we have all the quarterfinals. So that by the next time we record next Monday the. 12th we will be done the quarters and the semis will begin on december 13th and 14th and the finals on the 18th so the our next show uh, episode 94 will be our semis and finals preview show where we'll make our predictions where i'm sure we'll five of us will be wrong (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's it's like in the nfl they say the the division round is is the best football that you're going to see all year because you have so many good teams i think quarterfinals assuming Spain and Portugal go through tomorrow i mean that that will be must see tv um epic i think if there's a chance for an upset tomorrow i think spain will handle morocco easily but i think switzerland could put a scare into portugal that that'll that that's the best remaining game yeah. um and that's one where we could see an upset all right anything else on uh world cup it. Okay. All right. Rooster, let's talk about some American football. What do you got? All right. All right. So behind me, I have a picture of Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow together. I think those are our two MVPs this year for the each league. Um, going away, really, for, for Hurts in the NFC. Burrow has some obvious competition from Mahomes, but uh, let, let's start with the NFC where we stand right now, the Eagles just keep winning. I mean, you know, the people, the prognosticators are saying, ah, the Titans were kind of set up to be a good team to challenge the Eagles. Maybe they'll knock them off. The Eagles thumped them 35 to 10 by stuffing Derek Henry and Hertz had 380 yards passing three touchdowns and one running touchdown. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> as much as we love to bust House's balls. I think it's time to recognize this guy as as the MVP candidate that he is. Uh, they're, they're just good, um, and it's a good thing too because for them it's because a, the hell of a system, hell of a system he's been put into, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's so good. The Cowboys are coming on strong, so it's uh, the Eagles are are fortunate that they've built up this league because. My God, in the fourth quarter last night, did the Cowboys look good? Holy smokes. They scored 33 points against the Colts, who put a scare into the Eagles not too long ago. Um, you know, God, they've come alive. Um, they just, I think, have run, you know, out of time in terms of winning the division. Um, but the Cowboys are going to be a strong number three, I think, in the NFC. 
because the the Vikings have a pretty easy schedule uh, from now on too, they're, and they're ten and two. Um, well, but the Cowboys are going to be assuming they can't catch the Eagles. They're going to be the number one wild card. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, they're they're not going to you know they're going to have to go on the road to Tampa. Right, right. As it stands right now, the Cowboys go to and Tampa, then, and then if which, they win that game, which sucks for them, really, Toby. Correct me if I'm wrong. If they win that game, then they go to Philly, right? In the uh, yep, yep, division yep. round. Yep. I think that's right. Yeah, Philly has the bye. Because the number four seed, number one or the four or five would go to the number one. The, if, um, you're the, if you're the Cowboys, though, you got to be happier playing the Bucks than playing the Seahawks, Giants, or Commanders. Or 49ers. Yeah. Or Vikings. Yeah. I mean, although yeah. we did beat them forty to three, I mean, yeah. it'd yeah. be hard to repeat. I mean, of the teams that are in the playoff hunt, the Bucks are probably the weakest. Yeah, yes. but you know, playing at Tampa with Tom Brady, just that sure element is always scary. Um, but you know, I think the division uh, we'll we'll know a lot after this weekend. Uh, I mean, not worry about the Cowboys and Texans, but um, Eagles, Giants, Toby. I think aren't you going to be there? That's the hope. I, I, I got to go back to that Cowboys uh, Colts game. The Cowboys were impressive, but honestly, what Jeff Saturday did to Matt Ryan was mean. I mean, literally mean. I mean, he was being destroyed, killed, and he was just trying to throw any pass that he could to complete it. And he doesn't have good receivers. He doesn't have a good offensive line. It was I don't know. I, I had the game on. I felt like every single possession the Colts had three in a row, they either fumbled or intercepted. In the fourth, it was crazy. Yeah. 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 But, but remember, going into the fourth quarter, what was the score? 21-19, Cowboys. 21-19. And, and they had, the Cowboys were so lucky because I guess it wasn't an interception because it was really close that Dak threw a horrible pass behind CeeDee Lamb. And then that dumbass Colt headbutted uh, CD. Yeah. On the on the what they thought was a return of the interception gave him a, that was would have been third and fifteen gave him a first down on the twenty and then the Cowboys that was the end of the quarter Cowboys went in after that and never looked back but my Cowboy text thread we were like we got so fucking lucky on that because mm-hmm. this game could have gone sideways quickly so besides well, yeah. a rooster besides a tie and Bison besides a tie. What did what was resolved between who's the better team between the Giants and the Commanders? Nothing. Um, Nothing. You know, I think the Giants had that game to win. It was theirs to win in overtime, and I'm a little disappointed in Brian Dayball. I mean, he started out the season saying um, we're going for the win. You know, that was his mantra. We're going for the win. Go for two if I have to. I'm not going for any ties. And we had uh, fourth and three from Washington's 45-yard line, and he punts, you know. And we, we stopped him, but we only had 28 seconds left and no timeouts. So I don't know. I think you go for the win in that situation. But I'll tell you the team that the team that I really feel badly for in the NFC right now is the 49ers. Mm. Yeah. We were all talking about Miami recently, like Miami was going to maybe overtake the Bills uh, in the AFC East. And the 49ers kicked the crap out of the Dolphins 33 to 17 Sunday and then lost Jimmy G for the year with a broken foot. Um, I mean, if they don't get Baker Mayfield as a free agent, what are they going to do? I mean, they've got they've got this uh, this third stringer plan who was actually Mr. Irrelevant in the in the draft last year, Brock Purdy, that's who so had a awesome. decent game, but that, you know, that's a flash in the pan. That's not going to work out long-term. I mean, they've got to plug somebody in there because they're a good team right now. They, they could go, go far in the playoffs with a good quarterback. What do you guys think their options are? I think a team's going to trade. I, I think the, you would get something just like a, a Howie Roseman fleecing the 49ers to take Gardner Minshew for like a second round pick. I don't know whether that'll be the scenario, but you're going to see a very serviceable backup be traded to the 49ers uh, for fleecing them. I would not want Baker Mayfield. Perhaps Carson Wentz. Mm. (laughs) I would do that over Baker. I would do that over Baker. I wouldn't do, I'd take Minshew over both of them though. You know, don't sleep on, on uh, Purdy. 
Um, you know, Bill Simmons today was talking about this guy and, you know, he had a, an Alabama scholarship offer. He threw for a gazillion yards at Iowa state. Um, you know, he's, he, he's not, he, he might be, he might work out. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of weapons around him. He made some pretty impressive throws yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, they stick with what they got. Well, who's their backup? <laughs> well, who is their backup? I mean, he was the the backup's right. backup. So I mean, right. they got to have somebody come they in. Got, they, they do. They have some guy off the practice squad. I think already. they find. They I think they signed. Insurance. I think they signed Josh Johnson. Yes, that's who it is. Yeah, they they signed today off of like Pittsburgh's practice squad or something. They couldn't get anyone off from their old uh, lineup of Nate Sudfields and all these other guys because they're all. Number two, Listen, somewhere else. Because the York family is listening to this podcast, I want to tell you right now, I will personally contribute $500 of crowdfunding to signing Colin Kaepernick back on the 49ers. <laughs> That's really what would be an incredible. Yeah, that would, that would be huge. That would what be huge. He, what is he, like 38 now, though? Yeah, it's probably he's, just. He, I think he throws the ball better now than he did uh, in his Super Bowl year when he when he played the Ravens. I, you know, I've watched some of those workouts of his. He's he's been doing nothing but strengthening his arm and throwing balls. I don't know if he's still got the head for the game, but man, he can still throw it. Speaking of workouts, what do y'all think about the OBJ? Where he's going? Yeah. What's the latest news? I mean, I, I'm guessing he'll land at the Cowboys, but what's the he's, latest? He's in town right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go meet with him after the pod and, and uh, see what he thinks. But no, he's in town <laughs> that'll, right that'll, now. That'll lock him up yeah. for the Giants. That'll, that'll make sure he locks time to the Giants. Didn't you, begin, didn't you begin this conversation with speaking of workouts? <laughs> Hoped you want him? Yeah, I'm not sure I'd want him. Yeah, so that's that's a great question. I, you would think the Cowboys right now, their receiving core is coming into its own. I mean, ever since Dak's been back, they got the best offense in the NFL. But um, going into the Super Bowl run, having OBJ as a weapon is a is something that could be the X factor. And Jerry's looking to pull out all stops. He thinks this is the year, even if we not even if we don't have a home playoff game. Um, and so, you know, another thing to get OBJ would be to deny the giants getting OBJ or the Niners or somebody else like that. So, um, I think a young OBJ, the chemistry in the locker room, you might be worried about it, but Micah Parsons and Dak and CD have all been texting him and saying, we want you here. Um, it might be a good environment for him. And, and, and according to the Rams last year, he was a great help, you know, in the locker room and obviously at the Super Bowl getting yeah. him there. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I wish him well. I like him. I, I would like to see him back on the Giants just, just for sentimental reasons. But, um, you know, he had a sh- fair share of problems back then with the, with the being on the boat before the Super Bowl and all that. Um, anyway. Let's Rooster, move on to the AFC. Well, wait, yeah. before we do that, though, wait, before we do, Rooster, how are you feeling about the Giants' playoff chances, though? You guys got a really tough schedule coming up. I mean, I, I see arguably one win left for the Giants on that Whoa. schedule. Whoa. Oh, well, I mean, versus Philly at Washington when Washington's coming off a bye and then playing at home. Yeah. At Minnesota. The Colts at home—that's the win—and then at Philly, yeah. yeah. Uh, two, at pretty... best, at best, we get two wins if we beat the Giants. I mean, the Commanders. Why, I, why, I, you, yeah. you could get one from you could get one of those from Philly. You, every game between us always is like a three-point margin. Right. Get one from Philly. If you play the Commanders to twenty-twenty tie, what's to say you couldn't beat them? And you could beat the Colts. They could go three and two. They could if they uh, if think, they were playing think, like yeah, they did early I, in the year. I, I, they could, but I don't think they will. I mean, we, it, again, we just do not have anyone to throw the ball to. Um, it's just not working. And Saquon's hurt. You know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but since that game where he hurt his shoulder, his performance has gone way down. He has not had a big game uh, in about four weeks. He had like sixty. He had like sixty-eight yards yesterday, and thirty-four of them came on two carries. 
Well, well I mean, I, we got three teams for two slots in the in the NFC Wild Card: Seahawks, Giants, and Commanders. Who do you guys like as of now? I still like the Giants and Commanders. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to hear from Rooster. Wanna, They're pretty wanna, evenly matched, though. I want to hear from the from Rooster about the AFC because then I have a lot of AFC questions. A lot me. going on yesterday in the AFC. Um, the Bills recaptured the lead in the East by beating up on the Pats. Big story to me was our prediction came true. The Bengals are back. Um, the Bengals took it to the Chiefs and won twenty-seven to twenty-four without Joe Mixon in the lineup. Um, Burrow threw for two touchdowns and ran for one and Samjay Perrine, who was a former commander, right? Bison. Yeah. Stepped up and, and rushed for mm-hmm. 106 yards. Um, they're, they're a well-rounded team and their defense actually was solid. So, uh, like we said last week, look out for the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals are, are playing, um, the Browns this coming week. I think they're going to take care of the Browns and, and and take control of first place in the north because the Ravens uh, have injured Lamar Jackson. He doesn't look like he's going to play next game. Uh, he hurt his knee, and I don't think he's playing um, against Pittsburgh. So I think the Bengals are going to take control of the north and win that division, uh, as we predicted. And then, you know, other big news in the AFC was um, Deshaun Watson's return. He looked predictably horrible because he was so rusty. I mean, he didn't throw for a touchdown. Did they get a running touchdown in that game or were they all special teams? They had no offensive, no offensive touchdowns and they still won uh, the game. Yeah. Um, And it buried me in fantasy, by the way, because they they scored 50 fantasy points. His quarterback rating was 53. Yeah, he threw an interception in the end zone that was just horrible. I mean, it, it, he was, you know, it would have been a five-yard touchdown pass that almost any quarterback in the league, I think, could have floated over that linebacker. I don't think he saw him, and he just zipped it right at the linebacker for an interception. He looked bad. He's got a he's got a ways to come. Um, it, being a GM, you know, that is a, is a tough job. NFL GM is a really tough job. I you know I think about what the Niners did to you know, to get Trey Lance and to hold on to Jimmy G, what they've given up and now look where they are and what, what are they supposed to do about it? But geez, we keep talking about this. How about if you're the GM of the Broncos right now, Oof. You, you are three and nine under Russell Wilson and you're locked in to, to a, just a little bit less than $49 million a year through 2028 with that guy. What the hell are you supposed to do? I think I actually think if he plays like this for the rest of the year into next year, they're going to have to bench him, and he's going to have to be a forty-plus million dollar a year second-string quarterback because they can't win with him. They should like, trade him to the Forty Niners. Yeah, oh, I yeah, mean that's that's where he should go. Like House said the other day, you know, of the nine losses they have, their defense held the other team to less than twenty points in each of those games. It's all on Russell Wilson. And if you're the GM, what in the world are you supposed to do about that? Because you've really screwed yourself, giving away all your picks and paying this guy a ton of money. I just don't know how they do it. Um, but, you know, the the AFC, just like the NFC, is is starting to round out. We can see who the uh, playoff teams are. It's the Bills, the Chiefs. I think the Bengals and the Titans are going to win their divisions and then for sure, um, we'll get the Jets, Dolphins, um, and maybe the Ravens in there. Well, let me tell you, there there's one person who likes the Broncos GM more than anybody in the world, and that's the Titans GM because that's the only person that makes him look not as bad. <laughs> because right. the Titans ownership was sitting in that box yesterday watching AJ Brown fleece them. Or I mean, he just Wow. I mean, that that has to, those are two of the dumber offseason moves yep. I've seen in a long yep. time between Russell yep. and AJ Brown for like a, a pick. Um but like you could talk pick. yourself into Russell if you were a GM by thinking about what he used to be. There's no way getting rid of AJ what Brown was the makes basis any sense. 
my, Why my, did my, they do that? Yeah, my did son he won Patrick. Out? I don't even remember. No, he's just devastated. They traded him. He's still pissed about it. To, as of yesterday, he was still talking about it. My son, my son Patrick, uh, has been a Titans fan since he was a little boy, and um, he said to me yesterday, I'll, after that AJ Brown uh, trade, I just don't think I can be a fan of them anymore. It just made no sense. Um, it, it, I think. House, what did y'all give to get him? I think it was a third or fourth round. You gave, they, you gave Travis Burks or whatever, Traylon Burks. Right, Traylon Burks. It basically, well, we they, they picks, traded we the picks. pick. We they traded picks. the pick that got Traylon Burks and who's not ever going to be uh, A.J. Brown. Well, he almost died on the field in front of House yesterday. <laughs> He's okay. Oh, <laughs> my God. You know, yesterday revealed some major playbooks against these uh, against these playoff teams. I think the Eagles showed and the week before with the Bengals showed a lot as to how to bottle up Derrick Henry. Yeah. I think you learned a lot about how from the 49ers how to defend Tua. Uh Joe Burrow is now 3 and 0 against the Chiefs. The Chiefs you yep. just keep watching the film as the the Bengals against the Chiefs and what's interesting about the Ravens I I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback slot in so neatly into the play playbook as, as Huntley. Huntley. Yeah, yeah. For Lamar yeah. Jackson. I mean, yeah. obviously he's not as good as Lamar. They run the same exact place. He's a running back. Right. And ran so a great it, drive to win that it, game. It, it looked to me like the Eagles were doing a lot of run blitzing and getting to Henry before he could get up any kind of head of steam going. And the they're hitting th- him in the backfield a lot. Yes. And then when he ran around the end, what they were doing is they were disguising their corners. Like they were playing zone coverage against wide receivers. And then once it was a run play slay or any, any of the guys Epps, they just came up and sealed off the corner. We made great tackles on the corner. Mm-hmm. They, and once he couldn't get around the corner, he tried to go up the middle and ran into a run blitz. He that's two weeks in a row. I think he's run under 50 yards. Yep. So, so last week I asked if the, if the dolphins were the second best team in the AFC. And now this week I have to ask, are we sure they're making the playoff? Yeah, they'll make well, it. they're eight. And yeah, four. yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to make, make the it unless they lose like four of six. Well, they're at the Chargers, at the Bills, get the Packers at home. So that's two Pats, wins, three wins. And then, well, the Pats will play it tough. And yeah. then uh, versus the Jets home, they're fine. They're yeah. fine. But speaking of the Chargers, I want to ask Rooster in the AFC if he could possibly explain the Raiders to me. <laughs> <laughs> the Raiders. We didn't we didn't we bury them about three weeks ago, and now all of a sudden they're on fire because Josh Jacobs is running all over everyone. Ever since you took him and you're uh, picked him up, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I drafted him. He 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 was hurt early in the year and wasn't doing so much, but he started he started cooking recently, and and he's on fire. Um, and and I think Derek Carr is starting to play better too. I don't right. care. I don't. Any, anything else on this past week? How about the Rams? Oh, they're, they're just a disaster. The Rams are giving away six uh, at home, aren't they? To next week? Yeah. yeah. To Again. the Chargers? I mean, come on. To, to the Raiders. To the Raiders. To the Raiders. Okay. I think they were plus eight against the Seahawks this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to the Raiders, they're plus six. They're, I mean, they're they're three and nine. The Super Bowl team lines is three week. and nine. Well, I guess that gets us into the Plaxico locks. You guys yeah. ready? Yeah, yeah let's yeah. do it. Well, uh, everybody had a good week last week, except for me. Um, on the anti-Texans strategy, uh, Rooster and Bison got a win. On the coin flip strategy, Milk got a win with the Lions, and uh, I guess Pope had the Giants uh, at home getting points, and with that tie, he gets a win. I had the Finns. I believed in that crap um, and took the L. So while I can't give you the standings because that's a secret, um, <laughs> we, do, we are Pope's we still are, ahead, in case you care. Pope is still we ahead. We don't. We don't. Uh, we're we're missing milk because his son is playing in the Tampa Junior World Cup right now. But he did flip a coin and it landed on. Uh, let's see, it landed on the Steelers 
who are getting uh, three home against the Ravens. So Milka's in for next wow. week, minus three for the Steelers. And that will go to you, Pope. I can't remember uh, a line like this. It, well, two, two, two games jump out at me. One is Cowboys are favored by 17. That's, that's about as high as I've seen this year. I'm going to yeah. stay away from that, even though we'll be there. Uh, the Vikings, who are the second best record in the NFL, yeah. are on the road at the what has been the hapless Lions, who are five and seven. And, and the Lions, the Jaguars last week. They night. did. Maybe the girl's not quite as far as we thought, but. The Lions at home, five and seven, are are giving one to the Vikings, and and I'm I'm not in love with the Vikings. I just I'm not buying the Lions in a game like this. And give me the fucking Vikings. I, I feel like going Fanduel and putting it all on. They're them. they're the least respected ten and two team Ever. in the history of football. in the history of football. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe rightly so. They have to they have to look at that and take some pride in that. Like, yes. What the fuck. Yep. Uh, Rooster, what do you like? You know what I like. Cowboys. Okay. Cowboys against the Texans. Wow. Cowboys minus 17. Wow. I think that's going to happen to you. going to see him in person. <laughs> Bison, what do you got? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got to stick with it. I mean, I got to stick going against the Texans, the, the, uh, division two Houston Texans. I love uh, it. I'll take, I'll take the Cowboys. Although I see it as 16 and a half, not 17, but yeah, I thought it was 16 and a half too. The latest right now on our usual score mobile betting odds is minus 17. Um, that shouldn't make a difference. <laughs> so I think the bills have a lot to play for right now. I think the jets are suffering. Um, and even though it's a big spread, I I think the Bills are about to put a whooping on somebody. And the Bills minus nine home against the Giants is where I'm going. I mean, uh, Jets, the Jets, Jets, Bills, yep. New York Jets. So Bills minus nine home against the Jets. That's where I'm going. That's the locks. All right. Anything else on NFL? Well, let's talk college football, Pope. And if the entire United States of America was devastated, Devastated at the at the end of the soccer match on Saturday, they were quickly um, <laughs> all celebrating. But for one state, probably when the college football playoff lineup came out, and Pope, I admire you, man. You hung in there till the very, very end, trying to see a way uh, a way into it. So tell us what happened in college. I'm, I'm just so people. glad we don't have to hear Pope justify the quality losses argument right right now. right <laughs> they didn't have any any quality well, win no quality wins just quality At losses all. my my you know for the second time in the college football playoffs alabama is going to be at home and uh, Miss Terry's going to be making Nick uh, host parties and talk about his green egg and dog and all that kind of fun stuff and he's going to hate every fucking minute of it um alabama you know, I still would assert that they're one of the top four teams. If you went head to head against TCU, Alabama would probably be favored by five or six points. But that that does not mean they should be in the playoffs. And I haven't ever really said they should. This is not an Alabama playoff oh, team. I've just been right, throwing let's out. Let's talk about something other I've than been Alabama. Throwing here. out for the chaos. <laughs> but but the papal apology tour is kicking off today by apologizing to my friends. 30 miles across the Metroplex over at Texas Christian University, the hated Horn Frogs, who I've hated since 1985 when I went to SMU. Wow. But I'm I'm happy for my friends, and I have a bunch of them who went to TCU because I'm jealous as hell. How cool would that be to have a school like TCU go into the college football playoffs where they're going to get absolutely obliterated by Michigan? But that I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I would apologize to those fans for not giving them the credit that they're due. That was a gutsy performance by Duggan and the entire TCU team to hang with Kansas state. Now I did predict Kansas state would win, but I thought they would win by a lot more and it 
took away the committee's, uh, you know, discretion really on whether to go with TCU or another team. Um, I like seeing TCU at three because I didn't want to see Michigan, Ohio state rematch in the semis. I think, I think that the committee got it right. And as much as Ohio state fell on their face and stepped on their dick in the fourth quarter, um, one quarter does not a whole season body of work make, and they probably deserve the number four slot. Uh, I, it's interesting because you look at the line. So George is favored by six and a half against uh, Ohio State at, at the Peach Bowl, and Michigan's favored by nine uh, against TCU. Um, my guess is the line will move up uh, Michigan TCU, and it might move about. It might stay about the same with Georgia. Um, I do think Georgia will beat Ohio State, and you know the Big Ten um, has been having major issues in the college football playoffs. Does Michigan turn it around? Can Georgia-Michigan be the final that we're all hoping it is? We'll, we'll see. But that that's my prediction. But, you know, that wasn't the only thing that happened in college football. Because Wait, when we but, left here – Before you go on there, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, on those top four, on their best day, don't you think when Ohio State plays its best game, they can compete with Georgia – some of the best games we've seen from this year and the same goes for TCU when we've seen some of their best games, can't they compete with Michigan? Like, can't those be competitive games? Don't you think, or no, not even they could, but I don't think they will. Uh-huh. It seems I like just Georgia think, turns it on when they want to, Well, look what Georgia did to Michigan last year in the orange bowl. I mean, it wasn't even competitive, right? I'm not saying that's going to happen to Ohio state, but it could. Um, yep. I still think that there's that big a difference between the sec and the rest of the, the rest of the country. But um, but what I was going to say is, you know, when we left the pod last time. We were assuming uh, that uh, Lincoln Riley had brought the suit. I mean, the uh, Trojans to the <laughs> college football playoffs um, and all they needed to do was beat Utah. But boy, did they fail in a miserable way. Sure. Uh, and got got knocked out of the of the playoffs. I mean, that's an epic loss for that program. Um, and uh, House, they're about to happened? lose two in a row. Yeah, what happened down in in uh, New Orleans? Give us a, a blow by blow. Uh so really in the top five greatest live sports moments of my life. Literally, there you go. I can tell you. I don't know if you guys have ever rushed a field. It's a really fun fucking thing to do. And uh, Tulane went from two and ten last year to eleven and two this year. The biggest turnaround in NCAA history. Their superstars came out and shined. Uh, Michael Pratt, who will probably play Sundays. Tajay Spears, who now is a top three-round pick, I think, is running back. Um, very good linebackers. Dorian Williams and Nick Anderson, who got defensive player of the game, took it to the perennial. The perennial winners who've dominated that conference for years have been UCF or Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati was in the playoff last year from this conference. And we took it to UCF at home, winning the AAC. And now we will face a USC team who I'm guessing by the line of USC minus one, if you can believe that mm, USC yeah. minus one in the cotton bowl will be playing without uh, Caleb Williams and without Addison, both yeah. for his injury and for Addison going on to the NFL. I, I it'll be interesting. Um, it'll be a fun game. It is a big fall from grace from USC to have really shit the bed against Utah And now this is what anybody, whether it was Penn State, Tennessee, Alabama, or USC, who were the possible competitors for Tulane, as one Penn State friend put it to me, it is a lose-lose situation. You're supposed to go out there and decimate a team full of three-star players and just destroy them, or you lose altogether. If you don't destroy Tulane... It's a loss for the program, and that's what USC is up against. I don't, I don't like Tulane's odds because Lincoln Riley does know how to coach, and I don't care. Their, their backup to Caleb Williams is better than most any player that's on Tulane. Who, He's who, who have would have motivate them though? Yeah, who would have guessed though after last year that Tulane finishes this year ranked ahead of LSU? Ranked ahead of UCLA, South Carolina, Texas, Notre Dame, Oregon. I mean, it's just amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's a great. It's a great. This is. It's a shame that we don't have milk today because all of our jokes about Boston College. I mean, this <laughs> Tulane is the Boston College this year. <laughs> Save Tulane football. Save Tulane football. Yeah. Well, congratulations. 
Thanks. It was fun. It was really, really fun. Well, we can't we can't leave college football without at least addressing a little bit the happenings in Boulder. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ooh. That's gonna be big. Yeah. I, I. So Dion is leaving Jackson State, and he's taking the entire program with him, evidently, including his son, who's he's already in state installed as the next quarterback for Colorado. And you know, I haven't I haven't watched the speech. Any of y'all watch the speech? I did. I thought it was in bad taste. It really was. It was a good way to show up and piss off your the entire team. I mean, there's some guys on that team that are gonna stay on the team. I mean, you can't just dismiss the entire team and start over again. And he basically showed up and said, Hey, by the way, there's no there's not gonna be any quarterback competition. My son's installed as the quarterback. And most of you guys should probably hit the transfer portal right now because I've already got a, a, a several positions filled. I mean, what what kind of an introduction is that? It's, I mean, I get the mentality. You know, you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do to make some tough choices. But that's how you show up and say and introduce yourself to these kids. I just I just thought it was in bad taste. And I'm sorry. And I like the buffs. I mean, my son went there. We're excited about him coming. I think he's going to do great things for them as a coach and a recruiter. I just think that press conference was off the chain. I think that it was off the chain. I think it was designed. I haven't seen many press conferences made available of coaches when they come into new teams and give the speech to the whole team. That was that was a deliberative move by Dion mm-hmm. to put them on a national platform to get people talking about Colorado. And he can always deal with some of those guys privately behind the scenes. He's, he's on a recruiting tour. And I think this is what he, this, that's his name prime time. And that's what he got. I'm, I am like you rooster. I'm betting on him. I think they're going to improve. They ha- yeah. have to go up from yeah, where they were. They're going, I, going I, to, he, they're going to recruit. Well. You guys went from, I mean, obviously they have to improve, but y'all have them in top 20 in two years on a perennial basis. I think it could well, happen. I don't know if it'll well, be a perennial basis, but okay, I think it'll happen. Top 20 in two years. I take yeah. the under. Not going to happen. I think, it'll, I think it'll happen. Well, the transfer portal, I mean, did, did we talk about it on here last week on the show that did you see like like fully 20% of players were in the portal last year and they expect it to be as high as 35% of all what are we call it? What is it called now? The Bowl Championship Series teams will be in the portal. Thirty-five percent. We might talk yeah. about that later. Yeah, we might uh, talk about that okay. later on the pod. Might today. be coming up. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hint. But anyway, so college football, uh, we just kind of park it for a while and uh, wait for the big bowl games to come and uh, the semifinals. But um, I don't know. Good luck. Good luck, Horn Frogs. Hope we'll House be rooting you. against you. House, are you going to your are you going to your bowl game? I think we're gonna try to go. Uh that's the goal. At least at least uh one of my sons is definitely going so far. The whole family would love to go. It's a once in a lifetime thing. The AAC will be transformed next year. Half the teams are leaving for the big not half, but a few of the good teams are leaving for the Big 12. We didn't get the invite. We probably should have. And uh <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, next year we're gonna be vying against UT San Antonio for the conference championship. So this is the one, this is the one to go to. All right. Good luck. It's fun. Fun year. Hey, let's punch someone. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kujay with a triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. House, come on. What do you well, got? I, you guys gave me the perfect segue. Can we just end the charade that is the NCAA, the NC yes, charade please. aid? I mean, Milk said it a while ago. I don't remember wh- whether it was a transfer portal or the conference, one of the conference realignments that the NCAA is dead. Rest in peace. He gave the date on it, but you nailed it, Bison. The staff free was, agency is open. Yeah, that's yep. it. It's it's free agency, and I mean. We're trying to teach kids. They're kids, uh, with the exception of you know maybe the Georgia quarterback who's like 26 years old. 
Um, I mean, may, most of these guys are kids. Or how about the guy from Washington who just re-upped for his sixth year as their starting quarterback? Yeah, the starting running back for UCF, who was very good, is a sixth year. But we're trying to teach them some life lessons. I mean, that is what I do like about Deion Sanders. Go to the classroom. Don't wear your hoodie. Get an education. You may not play football forever. I mean, these are the things that we're saying. But, but then on the other side of your mouth to you say, oh, get ready to enter the transfer portal. Forget about loyalty to anybody that signed you. I just think it's such a bad message uh, to these kids. And it tells you that college sports is not about amateurism or good stories. It's really about whatever you can get. Um, and what happened, for, you know, what have you done for me lately? It's going to be like Bison said, an estimated one in three programs in the FBS, one in three players will have left the team. Two thirds of your roster remains the same and one third is different. How do you develop anything? And it just becomes like free agency who can develop the best free agent team in a year. USC almost pulled it off this year. Let's see who next year's USC will be with the transfer portal. That's bad for college sports. And for that, I punch the NCAA and I, and I punch all those who are basically endorsing it rapidly. Yep. And it's going to get worse because of the, uh, the licensing rights, right? And I getting these rights, getting these NIL rights doesn't mean a whole lot. If you're in the middle of Iowa, and not on television, right? So if you can transfer yourself to to uh, Southern California or now to um, um, Boulder, Colorado, where Neon Dion's going to be on TV every every weekend, getting pub for the school, you're going to make more money. You're just going to make more money. That's just the way it's going to work. So why would you stay in in a in a small television market if you were one of the studs? You know, you got to go go where the money is. Well, the Colorado AD or president, whoever it was, told you all you needed to know. They didn't have the money now to play to pay right. Dion, but it's coming. So that's what it was all about. It was just getting more money for the school, and you'll get some recognition because you have Dion. Hopefully, it works out. But school's gonna make a lot of money off this move. It's 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 not good. NCAA is just. I mean, it's fun for us because it's watching good sports matchups. But as life lessons for these kids, let's let's not call it. Let's just call it the minor leagues for for professional football. That's all. Yeah. Yep. Well, just uh, mark up another institution that has been corrupted by money and uh, lack of loyalty in this country. So it's not the first and won't be the last. All right. Any other punches to throw? Well, let's do a lasso, too. I got one. The University of Chicago defeated Williams College 2-0 to win the NCAA Division III men's national title uh, this weekend, their first in program history. They finished the season 22-0-1 and didn't give up a goal in either the national semifinal or the national championship. And that's probably deserving of a lasso in and of itself. But how about the fact that this team, the again, the men's team, was coached by Julianne Sitch, and she became the first woman to lead a men's soccer team, NCAA men's soccer team, to a championship as a head coach. She had been a uh, an assistant on the University of Chicago women's team from 15 to 17. And um, she she came in, I guess, I think this year was her first year as head coach of the men's team. Um, and she won a national championship for the school. And that's a, I think that's a pretty good story. Uh, it's fun to see that happy, happen. Um, and, you know, we've talked about women getting opportunities to referee in the NFL, to, to manage uh, minor league baseball teams. We've covered all of it. And here's just another uh, step along the way to, to women having opportunity to lead men's teams and lead them well uh, with the first national championship uh, as a as the head of a men's team. So congratulations, congratulations to Julianne Sitch and the University of Chicago. 
watch the uh the 10 second clip of the end of that game yeah yeah when they pour the Gatorade bath on her and then bring her into the rest of the team it's a pretty emotional moment they, these these kids obviously love love her to death and it, yeah. you know they were arm in arm running into the dog pile it was awesome yeah yeah it was great that's a it's a good story so and and stands in contrast to all the portal transfers and everything right yeah, division right. 3 uh, national well, I mean, championship game D D three soccer is where you have your true student athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's a good story. Check. You're right. Check out that clip. You'll, you'll enjoy it. House, do you have a, a lasso too? It, it's not, it's just a feel good moment and a little bit of an apology. I am one of these folks who for a while have been really critical of LeBron. I'm not in the LeBron camp and LeBron got something really right this week. Um, with all this stuff of Kyrie's anti-Semitism and his ugly behavior, you know, they're putting other players on the spot. LeBron is in many ways, the face of the NBA. And before uh, they, they went to LeBron and say, well, what do you have to say about Kyrie? Well, this week after the story came out about Jerry Jones um, in 1957, being in the crowd uh, at North Little Rock high school, um, on the day that the students didn't want to let black student into the high school when he was right there in the crowd. And it's gotten a, a ton, ton, ton of press and news about who is Jerry Jones and what's his history with race. Um, LeBron put looked right into the cameras and said to the media assembly, hey, just curious, how come nobody's asking me about Jerry Jones this week? And I just thought that that was great. I, I thought that LeBron um, – is if you're gonna if you're gonna be fair and put people in the spotlight about heated issues like race relations and you know anti-Semitism and bigotry, let's be fair all the way around. And um, it just goes to show how some of these players can be used as an easy punching bag when there's a story. And I I, I don't know if it's a lasso moment, but I, I don't always love what LeBron does. That was a very, very cool moment where he was just keeping it very, very real. Right, right. Contrast his social awareness with that of, you know, the people who came before him, like Jordan, who would never in a million years have spoken out against anything. Always, always worried about his next Nike deal. It, Republicans um, buy sneakers too, right? Yeah. That's yeah, what he no, said. I, I'm with That's you what there he said. on LeBron. By the way, I saw LeBron play last night. Uh, I went to the uh, Wizards-Lakers game. The Lakers have turned it around. I mean, uh, AD looks fantastic. He's dropped 55 points and had 17 rebounds. And LeBron's just feeding him alley-oops and all kinds of uh, passes to get, to get AD going because AD is thin now. He looks agile. He's, he's got good hops. I mean, he's like, he's like a young AD again. Um, I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they trade him because they could get a lot for him now based on just on the last 10 games that he's played. Mm. Uh, I mean, the West is still winnable for them. It, the West is, it's mediocre at best. Mm-hmm. Look at the, the number two the, seed the, right now is the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. teams are, the teams between one and like 12 are only like six games apart. Yeah. Yep, I'm the right. Lakers. If I'm the Lakers, I might go all in, assuming that, you know, this might be one of their last chances. All right. So who are you guys all rooting right. for for this week for the World Cup? Who's the, who's the team you're getting behind? I think Rooster's always behind France. Right. Right. They got me. They they got me my first win in, in our soccer <laughs> uh, betting. So I'm, I'm loyal Man to City. them. They got me Man City. Yeah. I'm sticking with Messi and Argentina. I'm but, England, man. I think love Brazil them. looks tough. Oh, you though. love the British, huh? Yeah, I love the Brits. Harry Kane. I'm fully behind Italy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Brazil's probably going to win it all. All right, guys. Anything else this week? All right. Hey, have a good week.
The SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.